This first of two readings today is uh, from the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Maybe a slightly different wording than is familiar. To Eve, God said, You shall labor in pain before producing children. To Adam, God said, You will curse the soil. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. By the sweat of your face you shall bring forth bread. Until you return to the soil, for out of it you were taken. The modern reading is from Stud Turkle's Working. From the introduction. This book being about work is by its very nature about violence to the spirit as well as the body. It is about ulcers as well as accidents, about shouting matches as well as fistfights, about nervous breakdowns. To survive the day is triumph enough for the walking wounded among the great many of us. It is about a search, too, for daily meaning as well as daily bread, for recognition as well as cash, for astonishment rather than toper, in short, for a sort of life rather than a Monday through Friday sort of dying. Perhaps immortality, too, is part of the quest. To be remembered was the wish, spoken and unspoken, of the heroes and heroines of this book. There are those happy few who find a savor in their daily job. The Indiana stonemason who looks upon his work and sees that it is good. The Chicago piano tuner who seeks and finds the sound that delights. The bookbinder who saves a piece of history. The Brooklyn firefighter who saves a piece of life. But don't these satisfactions like Jude's hunger for knowledge tell us more about the person than his task? Perhaps. Nonetheless, there is a common attribute here, a meaning to their work well over and beyond the reward of a paycheck. Good morning. Tomorrow is Labor Day, and the sermon today is about labor. The pain of labor and the sweat of the brow to bring forth bread. Today I will tell you that work is not punishment, that work is who you are or not, and finally that all work, almost all work, is holy work. Work is not punishment. It is part of our oldest myth in Western culture that once we had paradise and we lost it and it was our fault. And how was paradise defined? We did not have to work to eat. We could eat all the fruits of all the trees in Eden save two. And what was our punishment for failing to follow these simple and impossible rules? Banished from the garden, we have to work for food and endure pain in our labor. And thus begins the ancient, and I contend erroneous, notion that work is bad and not working is paradise. But this Eden myth is not about work. It is about the loss of innocence. It is about the loss of a childhood Eden. As carefree children, we naturally grow in curiosity until we eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Children grow and gain the knowledge of how to create life and thereby cease to be innocent children. 
even if they are not yet responsible adults. When we as children gain this knowledge, we are banished from the Eden of childhood, and we can never return. As adults, we must take responsibility for our actions, for our actions can create life or death. As adults, we must work to shape the world we live in. We must, shape, we must work to shape the world for our children. Tomorrow is Labor Day, a day to celebrate the labor movement and working people, their struggles for a decent life. I know this because my mother and her parents were working people, union members, who firmly believed that FDR, the New Deal, Social Security, and public works and public jobs saved this country from the twin evils of fascism and communism. Working people do hard work, physical labor. I have done a little of that myself, but mostly I know of it through the stories of my late granddad, who lived to the age of 93. He was a cowboy, a laborer, a teamster. He worked laying pipeline in Louisiana and Texas and he had the most seniority at the Phillips Petroleum Plant on the Houston Ship Channel. That's because he helped build it. And when he retired at age 55, he bought 100 acres on which he ran 150 head of cattle until he was 80. I have here his brass pocket watch and this. This is his cowboy hat. I have to be careful with it because it's a spiritually charged artifact. Oh my, I, I do apologize, but I have to take this. Hello, granddad. Yes, I'm preaching to the universalists. Yes, they seem very nice. Granddad, you can't be doing this every time I mention your name. Okay, I'll tell them. Yes, sir. Daisy, really? Well, that's nice. Yes, she was the best cutting horse ever. Well, tell her I'll look her up when I get there. Say hi to Grandma. You rest easy now. Bye. Granddad insists that I tell you he was also the deacon at his church. Work is important. You are what you do. This is what work is. Work is what you do. Work is what you think about eight or more hours a day, and that marks you. I do not assert that you are nothing more than what you do, but what you do and what you have done and what you hope to do, these are a large part of who and what you are. They mark you, do they not? I feel the need to tell you of the work that I have done. I do this to establish my bona fides, to prove that I have done real work, that I have lived by the sweat of my brow, that I have not always been a white-collared professional shuffling electronic bits. Here is a list of jobs for which people have promised to pay me money. <laughs> Summer camp counselor, landscape technician, a.k.a. lawnmower, concession sales at football games and basketball games, Coca-Cola, get your Coke here. <laughs> Usher at rock concerts, babysitter, convenience store clerk at a 7-Eleven 
on the 11 to 7 shift, a warehouseman loading and unloading truckloads of baby furniture with a hand truck, lifeguard, artist, and vendor of rock art at the University Drag in Austin, Texas, door-to-door Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman in the black neighborhoods of San Antonio, Texas in the summertime. Good morning, ma'am. If you let me vacuum your living room, I will give you this case of Coca-Cola. Accounting clerk, math tutor, restaurant dishwasher, undocumented illegal alien in a foreign country where I did not speak the language well. Loan officer at a credit union, computer programmer, systems programmer, software product designer, computer terminal designer, ATM system designer, law clerk, attorney, an LA lawyer, IT troubleshooter, knowledge engineer, programming team leader, engineering supervisor, project manager, manager of software development, CEO of a very small consulting firm, medical research translational engineer, manager of spacecraft systems engineering, chaplain, and last week I started a new job, this one, intern minister. And I suspect most of you, if you think back on it, have a varied, if perhaps not as checkered, background. And this varied background leads me to the question, if you are what you do, then what am I? Am I what I did last week? Am I what I have done the longest? Am I what I liked the best? Or am I the jobs I want to do but have not done yet? Am I the things I do as an amateur? I am an amateur poet, storyteller, sailboat racer, and author. I will be even with you, and you will be even with me. Work is not important. You are not what you do. Mike Lefevre is a white laborer in a Detroit steel plant. He was interviewed in 1970 by Studs Terkel from the book Working, and this is what he had to say. What do you think about all day? If I were to put you in front of a dock, and I pulled up a skid with 50 100-pound sacks of potatoes, and there were 50 more skids just like it, and this is what you're going to do all day, what would you think about? Potatoes? Unless a guy's a nut, he never thinks about work or talks about it. Why is it the communists always say they're for the working man, and soon as they set up a country, they got guys singing to tractors? They're singing they love the factory. That's where I couldn't buy communism. It's the intellectual's utopia, not mine. I cannot picture myself singing to a tractor. What do you think about all day? Oh, yeah, I daydream. I fantasize about a sexy blonde in Miami who's got my union dues. (laughs) 
I think of February in Miami, warm weather, a place to lay in. When I hear college kids say, I'm oppressed, I don't believe him. You know what I'd like to be for a year? A college kid. Wow, sports cars, marijuana, wild, sexy broads. I just love that. Somebody has to do the work. If my kid ever goes to college, I just want him to have a little respect. To realize his dad is one of those somebodies. That's why I can't hate the colored fellow that's working with me all day. The black intellectual I got no respect for. The white intellectual I got no use for. I could, and I got no use for the black militant who's going to scream 300 years of slavery at me while I'm busting my ass. Ha, I got one answer for that guy. Go see Rockefeller. Don't bother me because we're in the same cotton field. What is Mike Lefevre's idea of utopia? I'd like to run a combination bookstore and tavern. I'd like to have a place where the college kids came and the steelworker could sit down and talk, where the working man could not be ashamed of Walt Whitman and the college professor could not be ashamed that he painted his house over the weekend. If a carpenter can build a cabin for poets, I think the poets at least owe the carpenter just three or four lines on the wall, a little plaque. Though we labor with our minds, this place where we can relax was built by someone who labors with his hands. And his work is as noble as ours. I think the poet owes something to the guy who built his cabin. I will be even with you, and you will be even with me. So what's the answer? Are we more than what we do? Well, I like to think so. I like to think I am more than the things I do. I may have worked in a warehouse, but I am more than a laborer. I may have worked in sales, but I am more than a salesman. I may have worked as a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, but I am more than some profession. I may have worked at home raising children, but I am more than a parent. I may have committed some sin or even a crime, but I am more than a sinner, and the criminal is more than his crime. We are, most importantly and in summary, only the things we put on tombstones. Beloved child, beloved partner, beloved parent, beloved grandparent, pillar of the community, tireless volunteer. I will be even with you, and you shall be even with me. The Buddhists have an ancient canon, the Pali canon, that describes the eightfold path, a middle way between a life of indulgence and a life of asceticism. It includes the fifth fold as right livelihood. Right livelihood means you must avoid an occupation that harms others. Now, the Buddhists and I will leave it to you to define harms others, but it generally means you provide a service, you are not a parasite. You cannot, in good conscience, be a thief or an extortionist. Let us call right livelihood right labor. Any right labor done to help your family, providing food, clothing, and shelter, is holy work. Any right labor done to build or sustain the beloved community is holy work. At present in our country, the undercounted unemployed rate Unemployment rate is 9.2.
This number is, I suspect, the new normal and unlikely to go down in the near future. In our state, as of June, the unemployment rate is a mere 6.7%. In our city, it is only 6.3%. And in our beloved community, it is, I suspect, a bit lower. Rejoice, for most of us have profitable work. I will be even with you, and you will be even with me. But whatever the commercial profit-oriented employment rate is, there is an infinite amount of good, honest, useful work to do. Unless all of us are fed, clothed, sheltered, none of us should rest easy. If you are between jobs or if you have the time, please consider volunteering. If you are retired or nearly so, consider an encore career. It's a movement. Google it. I'm old enough, I joined. There is an infinite amount of holy work to do. Come, let us do it together.